Boom, and welcome back to this, another episode of the Happy No Fear podcast. I'm your host, Chase, and we are back. Back, back, back. It's been a few months. Uh, the schedule's been uh, busy and crazy and unexpected, but we are back and on track. And this week's guest is the director of Modern Multiples, whose uncle is also the late but very great Richard Duardo, who was uh, a printmaker and uh, the founder of Modern Multiples, as well as an artist in his own right, and just an overall great inspiration to many artists in the LA scene. Um, We get into all of that, and we also discuss a collaboration, which should be dropping any day now, uh, a print edition collaboration with uh, the photographer Lionel Delouis, myself, published by Modern Multiples. So without further ado, I give to you Montana Mills. We are recording. Montana, how are you, man? I'm good, Chase. Dude, it's great having you in the studio. You're fun to hang out with. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) Salute to you. We're drinking a very... uh, well-deserved white claw here. Um, we we just finished our collaboration. Oh my god, we're done. We are fucking Phone done. On silent. How long did that fucking take? And you know the the meticulousness of it all. It's it, it, it's something. Well, like you were saying earlier, it turned into a, a, a you know a passion project where I stopped looking at the clock entirely, and it was just let's make this as as proper, as good as we can. Right. And it, it was a nice break from doing contract stuff. Right. Where, you know, a lot of the last five, six years that I've been here has been stay alive. Um, now I'd like to thrive. Right. And I think uh, one of the one-liners keeping me going, good art with good people, um, transferring that into publishing stuff, publishing editions is going to be much more satisfying uh much more creative, and it's going to show, it's going to showcase a lot of what we do, right. so and what we're capable of. And this one was a really fun thing. We did. Uh, it looks tremendous. We executed techniques that we haven't yet. Yeah. We experimented with the project, and at the same time, we kept to the tried and true methods that. Well, my uncle, left behind in his pedigree. Yeah. Myself, and now with I mean with Ivan, and now with myself. The late great Richard Wardo. Um, who, I mean, we, we have so much to get into. We'll take our time. There, there's so much to go over. And, you know, I, I, I came to the space. The last time I was here, I think was probably 2005, uh, when your uncle was still with us. And um, all that, like, it's, it's, it's such an informing aspect to our collaboration and, and, and our getting familiar and, and, and getting acquainted and, and like, you know, feeling kinship with one another. And, um, yeah, I think we should kind of start there, you know, like a Richard Wardo, the West Coast Warhol. Um, who was he, in fact? And how much did he contribute to the West Coast art scene, more particularly to, to the L.A. art scene? And since when? It's so interesting to me because while I can spew this ad infinitum c- 
casually and you know socially, um, it feels different recorded. Right. However, <laughs> I d- to preface, I suppose, one, I don't feel myself the art major, art historian who can speak to the end-all, be-all of his influence in the art world. Right. And, um, I mean, there's so many more qualified people. However, I'm intimate with this, the whole 10,000 hours. I've, I've right. put in my time with the studio, contracting artists, working with artists, publishing artists, and thank God, because Richard's goodwill is still coming back around. And for the first several years, that's, that's, what the, that's what kept the studio alive. And my mother, Lisa Duardo, Richard's sister, who was in charge of it from, well, who was in charge of it nearly through pandemic. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long journey. Um, yeah, how, I think I'm coming out on the other end of this era of the journey. Right. How did you, because Richard ran Modern Multiples and he founded it back when? So, if I can put it in a nutshell, which I can't, but I'll try. Richard's history, and fortunately I'm staring at this Smithsonian Archive of American Art document that they sent to us because we've sent uh, information, history, to the Smithsonian, and it says, A Finding Aid to the Modern Multiples Records, 1970s to 2017, in the Archives of American Art. Nuts. And um, so his, his story starts with printing in high school and with printing walkout posters mm. because he got put into a screen printing class and took umbrage to it because he felt that the Latino was going to be put into a craftsman, craftsman's profession rather than an intellectual's profession. And so he got put into screen printing. He ended up leading these walkouts in high school which have a whole history of their own. Um, he started a newspaper called The Student's Voice and he was public publishing that in high school, working with the local like uh, neighborhood newspaper printers, and um, nearly got expelled for it. In fact, mm. uh, Dr. Ricardo Romo was a um, high school history teacher and guidance counselor at the time. Now he is the retired president of UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio. And uh, one of the biggest champions, I just met him recently, for Richard's art and actually Chicano, Chicana, Chicanx graphic arts in general in the collegiate and museum scenes. And so with Richard starting this craft way back in high school, he got out of high school, followed it up in PCC, Pasadena City College, and took more printmaking classes and topped his education off with a master's in marketing and design from UCLA his alma mater. Um, In fact, the Chicano Studies Resource Center, the CSRC at UCLA, has a phenomenal three-day interview. It's like 140 pages transcribed and talk about the history from the horse's mouth. Richard Duardo and Karen Mary Davalos, who's also on the board of Self-Help Graphics and a big player in the Chicano history scene, um, interviewed him for three days. And it's a really great read. Wow, that, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm going to activate that a lot more because I want to share a lot of his history as he tells it. Right. Um, so, post-UCLA, he finds himself working at Gemini Gel under master printmaker Jeff Wasserman. And he was working with, I believe, 
uh, Carl Bornstein, the producer at the time, working with artists like Ed Ruscha and the like. That's, I believe, the first time they met. But he was just out of college. He was living in Highland Park still, which is the hometown. You know, Grandma's house was right behind the Highland Park Theater on Avenue 56. And um, they had a space which is now occupied by Stone's Throw Records and uh, recently befriended all of them. Very nice. cool. But yeah, they've been there for a minute, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the very first studio Richard had, he started with several other artists, and it was called the Public Art Center, in mm -hmm. Spanish, the Centro de Arte Público, or CAP. And, um, and that lasted a couple years. Carlos Almaraz, Frank Romero, John Valadez, and a number of others. Um, excuse me, I haven't told so many of the history stories throughout quarantine that I may be rusty, but... Um, <laughs> That developed into his very first production studio of his own when that team sort of moved on to other things, and that was called Echo and Atslan. Echo and Atslan is made in Atslan, and Atslan is the legendary land geographically that once was Mexico. Mm. And so we are in Atslan now, sitting here on the train tracks, you know, Maine and Albion, right across from the brewery. Right outside of downtown, this is Atslan land. And so one of the things that he thought right, right in the beginning was, well, if I'm going to print all of these other artists, affluent artists or big punk bands that come through, the one thing that I could at least do is say that it was made in Atslan. In Atslan. I am Mexican. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and so that, that became that. He met a lot of the, the early punk scene. He even started a punk record and label. this is this is what what what, what uh, this is the seventies early eighties. This is the uh, late seventies early eighties. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say um, his record label that he started with a couple others. I apologize for blanking on names right now. Is uh, Fatima Records, mm -hmm. and um, it was great because when I met Stones Throw Records, Jeff, uh, who's who's one of the owners there and founders there, he told me the story of sitting in his office looking out over the Highland Park Theater from the second story, right on the corner of 56 and Fig, and he turns over his shoulder to his wall of records and pulls out one of his old punk favorites, The Brat, or The Plugs, excuse me. Uh -huh. Brat also got produced, but The Plugs. Right. And he pulls out The Plugs album and he turns it over to the production information, and it's the address that he is occupying wow. at that moment. Nuts. And he got chills and he was just like, oh my God, this is one wow. of my old school favorite punk albums. What and are the chances? And it was yeah, that's published insane. out of this same address that's nuts. in space. Um, so, you know, one of the things you, you said, just how big is Richard's influence? Well, he's an artist, he's a printmaker, and yet we've got somebody from a record label Right. Who's referencing the influence of his punk rock yeah, 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 yeah. contribution to culture? Um, it's, it's it's far it's, and wide, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, unless if you're intimately familiar, like none of these things were you know, obviously not marketer or you know, if you know, you know. But you know that sort of overlap, like those are, I mean, they just don't happen unless if there's something else behind it. And right. We can attribute that to whatever you want to, but yeah, that's that's nuts, man. Because Stonestrow is such a big thing, also in like you know uh, the underground hip hop world, and Huge. always has been. Huge. I mean, I always yeah. sort of um, 
thought of them in mind as the MF Doom, you know, right. mad villain, right. uh, mad villainy producer. Yeah. And yeah. that's that was the biggest one, yeah. obviously, just this past year he passed. Right. Um, but that was influential to me through high school and that whole scene and always, always, yeah. I, I've, I've never been in music. In fact, my whole scholastic upbringing was theater arts right. and uh, engineering physics yeah so I've fallen into this world of art and culture through family connections through um, a small career in international art sales and that's when my uncle passed away and I had I essentially said there's no reason I should be working in art anywhere other than in Los Angeles with my family with my mother who is protecting who is working with who is figuring out this legacy this estate and figuring all of that out did not come without dramas and hardships and collateral damage right and stuff um so it's been an interesting course but i got the heart for this because even though i'm not an art history major or a trained classical artist I can recognize the gravity of the influence that he's had across the game and in the print world in the limited edition print world in the street art world in the pop contemporary art world of Los Angeles I believe it was in the 90s where um, Matt Gleason of Coagula Gallery right and, and also art critic Mm -hmm. who uh, doesn't spare any words. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't hold punches. Yeah. And, um, and they produced a show called Warhol and Duardo. Yeah. And, um, and it had a lot to do with the being a pop artist, regurgitating found imagery, uh, celebrity imagery, right. taking it, commenting on it, and spitting it right back out in a sort of accessible art form right the world of limited edition fine art prints oh, where yeah. it's not the point of it is not to create a one-of-a-kind unique or original painting right. and sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars the point is to access these artists and make the collector base available you know right uh, accessible to collect artwork by these artists but through multiples right through multiples and and Richard just did it really well. He had a passion for it, and so he upped a lot of people's printmaking game, or at least the way that they view the value of prints. Right. And I, so just to clarify, yeah. because um, everyone now is so geekly happy because mm -hmm. you can pick up an Epson 600 at the local uh, Sammy's or B&H photo or online for like 800 bucks. And you can print an archival giclee for, you know, it'll set you back uh, seven, eight hundred bucks for a printer, but that is not the original sort of concept of a multiple, right? And it may be archival, and the inks may be la it may last a hundred years, and it could be a tool in the game of fine art multiples, which is a taste of the artist's repertoire, not by way of original, but by reproducing originals in such a way that maybe the giclee digital printing process could be helpful but unless if there's some reproductive 
element or aspect to the print or the multiple, then it's a little bit higher up than going to Kinko's and just printing from an internet image, which that market has expanded. But I think where uh, Richard and the studio, Modern Multiples, where we're, we're sitting now, uh, really sort of helped a lot of artists. And the list is so long, right? I mean, it's the who's who from Je Chaz Bohorquez. I'm trying not to name drop. Yeah, but any, you but should name I'm drop. Not. To Ed Ruscha, to all the greats. Right. Uh, Shepherd's Ferry print, printed I've here. Got fantastic Mere One, like everyone came through here. And I came through here as a young buck 20 years ago. And we'll get to that in a minute. But so the idea of a multiple is different from an archival digital print. And so I'd like for you to touch on that because that is where a lot of value is not understood sometimes. And there's such a saturation of the Giclée. I, I appreciate the question and I'll try and truncate my response as much as possible because it's a little bit of a triggering topic where the question that comes to mind that I've heard a million times in my life is that an original or just a print? Right. I have a feeling that the world of Giclés helped predicate that question by collectors. Right. Because pre the digital printer, pre the Epson, pre the Canon with archival pigments and neutral pH papers, um, printmaking was a craft. Right. An atelier would do an etching or an engraving. Pablo Picasso has an entire had an entire show at the Vincent Price Art yeah. Museum and none of it was because of him. Right. It was an entire show based off of his printmaker, right. the the lithographic or intaglio print artist that or craftsman if you will, that worked with Picasso. Right. And so if you ask, well I, you know, I bought a $5,000 Picasso, you can't get an original Picasso. Oh. Well, yes I can, but it's a it's an etching from the 347 series and there were so many multiples and he did three, you know, right. 347 different graphic works right. in like this really incredibly small amount of time. Right. And you will find the pencil Picasso signature on it. Yes. It's, it's hand signed, hand signed. Hand I, ha I have one of those. Editions. You do? Oh yeah. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yes. Um, so the G clay, I've even started phasing out the word gicle. Mm. Uh, parce qu'en français, gicle is like, a, it's squirted or spurted. It references a micro dot pigment ink that sprays onto the paper. It's a very high quality technology. And Richard, who was always seemingly ahead of his game, was a big proponent on using the Epson 9800 for these archival digital prints. I remember, yeah. He created the Chicano collections with one of the champions of Chicano art, Cheech Marin. Yep. Cheech Marin, who has the Cheech opening up in uh, Riverside in the next year or so. Um, Huge collector, by the way, and great supporter of Lachma and and and, and Tordo and just hundred like, percent. I've I've known that since I got to LA. Like that's how wide his support is. Yep, they were good friends. I still work with Melissa, who is right. Cheech's um, art representative of right. sorts. And, uh, and but I brought it up because of the Chicano collections. 
Chaz Bajorquez is part of that. Champion. Uh, a whole number. I think it's about 20 different artworks. And it was one of the first times that um, an artist in the culture and a patron in the culture championing the culture got together and said, these are some of the important historic names. And what they did, they made a bio faceplate and they made an archival digital print. A what's a, what's a bio faceplate? Like some history on it in oh, the I box see. set, right? I so see. here is the reason that this artist is important. Oh, really? Here's the story. I see. And so they made it something that actually holds value over time in terms of being a reference to history. Right. And they donated it to museums and colleges right. and universities across the country. Um, so the gicle is a powerful thing. I'm going to stop calling it gicle. Parce qu'en français, gicle doesn't only mean spurted or squirted. Yeah. It's a little dirtier. Hier soir, j'ai gicle. Uh, it's a cum shot. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's absolutely that. Yeah. And that. And I had a French-Canadian printmaker tell me that, well, you stupid Americans, you use these stupid words, gicle. You know what gicle means? J'ai gicle hier soir. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. fuck, stupid sales <laughs> words. Yeah. And I recently learned an even darker, dirtier meaning of gicle in French, which is bukkake in porn categories. Right. If you look up bukkake in France... Yeah, you told me that. It's, it, it's You'll a, click on the link, yeah, porn, gicle. Yeah, Pornhub... <laughs> Point .fr for I the French. I never knew that. I, I didn't know that until you and told me that. And I had a guy in the porn industry tell me that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, that, I, I like the word even less right. now yeah. or more. I don't yeah. know. Rage against the Gicle machine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and so essentially, it's an American sales word to sound fancy. Right. And I prefer these days calling it an archival right. digital print because right. that's what it is. And the reason I like stepping almost contrarily back from a sales word like gicle, which sounds nice, um, is that so many different publishers these days and artists alike are starting to call these impressions or these, quote, multiples, fine art prints. Right. And that's literally the first category on their website, right. fine art prints. Right. And they're 18 by 24s or 20 by 30s in millions or billions of colors for $125. Right. That is not printmaking. Right. That is an accurate and time-worthy representation of an artist's artwork. And if it's signed and numbered by the artist and the artist was part of the production of it, it's an original G-Clay. Right. It's an yeah. original archival digital print right. that holds value and has a place in the art market. Right. My problem is what it's being misrepresented as. Right. Or maybe not that it's being misrepresented, but that the collateral damage of how it's being represented is essentially uneducating the collector base right. to it's then expect this phenomenal blast of color for $125. Right. That's not printmaking. Right. And so for those that are still in the dark, um, when you wear, just to make it palatable, and of course everyone that listens to this is in the know, but just to make the difference, right? When you see a t-shirt, right? And you run your hand over it, 
and let's say you have a little pocket logo or a little artwork, or I guess now, now we're even in a space of blank, so, you know, prints, unless if it's, if it's in a vintage game, like those colors, right, from the total artwork have to be separated, unless if it's a four color process, because four colors can make all, you know, a great number of colors. But when you see a, 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 a solid tone of color on a garment or on the sides of, uh, of, of certain other products, I mean, that's even, I guess beer cans are s screen printed. Or who knows? Let's not even get into that. You're, but yeah, I, I see where you're talking and you're right. not far off. Like that's... Right. Uh, I, you know, my someone in my family printed on beer bottle caps with, it was a sponge. You know, if you skated, you know, your wheels, you know, they're urethane. If you skateboarded ever, there's a print on the side of that wheel. How did that print get there? Well, it wasn't ran through some kind of printer you got at home. That was... There's a cushioned silk screen that's concave that presses against it and then removes itself from the wheel and then that dries. And depending on how many colors on the side of the wheel, usually two or three, now you have a silk screened wheel because the silk through which uh, the image is impressed upon the object in our world that we're talking about now, it's a piece of paper or sometimes metal like you did today or sometimes wood and that's how we got... Uh, uh, reacquainted or acquainted uh, to begin with uh, a, a month and a half ago so we are pressing ink plastisol ink through openings in a mesh screen that got there because an image was burned into that mesh screen so you start with an image in the computer then you have uh, the screens have to be shot on, on, on a film that then is burned into the actual silk screen, which provides, provides tiny little openings through which the ink can pass and is pulled manually onto the surface. Now we're in the world of fine art screen printing. Exactly. Or a lot of the word that people, you know, don't always attribute to it is serigraph. Serigraph. It's a serigraph. And that is really complicated when you do more than one color. One color is fairly simple, right. but because if your registration of those screens are off, and I'm talking about a half a millimeter, you know, diagonal or just offset, then all of a sudden you see gaps between where colors are supposed to meet and the underneath laying surface shines through, right. which is a fucking mistake. And guess what? You rip that up and, and, and you learn how to trap. Correct. And that's a whole other world. So... Um, what we have here is expertise, number one, and it, it's such a production process that when at the end of the line, the difference is felt, like you can, you can feel it in your hand, it's weightier, but also you see where the artistic choices were made and you feel the volume of the ink, let's call it paint, onto the, onto the object. It's ink. <laughs> it's ink, but I like, to me it's paint. And so when, when you see that and you develop an eye for that and an appreciation for it, you, you get to discern between, you know, where love appears and where it's sort of like a production run of things. Right. Like a, like a hamburger at, at McDonald's. And, and there's print houses that just run it through the mill. Right. So I want to hearken back to my most triggering question. Right. Is that an original or just a print? Right. It is not an entirely misguided question. And 
the reason it's accurate is printing, like you said, as I hold up my white claw, can be as simple as some commercial put it on, slap right. it onto a thing to for the sake of creating a hundred thousand of them. Right. Um, Andy Warhol, love him, great, amazing. The West Coast Warhol is part of the pop art culture that predicated what my uncle's third generation pop artist, you know, self-proclaimed title could have been, um, was mocking the production world, the Campbell Soup can, and mocking the collectors, right? I immediately want to stop myself from talking <laughs> yeah. because my art history is very um, school of hard knocks, if you will. Yeah. But the idea, and back to ink and paint, about using a tool to create fine art versus consumer commodity, the tool is the same. Right. The tool is always going to be the same from the genesis of sort of like propaganda printmaking in Japan and Russia to, um, to you know, commercial industrial production of today's day and age. The machines are very similar. Same way that a paintbrush can be used to paint a Mona Lisa or repaint your bedroom. It's not about the paintbrush. I like that. It's about the intention of the artist right. using the paintbrush right. and the nuance and prowess that they come to the table with in terms of utilizing that. And um, even you with spray paint. And I was referencing with Ivan today, like think of some of the big spray paint guys. Well, you know, Chase's prowess on a spray paint can is one of the things that he takes pride in. Right. And it's not about the spray can. Right. It's about the intention, it's about the artist, and it's about the execution. It's a means to, to an end. And so... Where's the intention with the end? Right. Yeah. And so a lot of these projects that we do, when you talk about registration and being half of a millimeter off, yeah. well, that's very easily solvable, and you could run it a thousand times over if you have an offset lithographic press. Mm -hmm. That's called a poster. That's a Thomas Kincaid. Right. That's a Patrick Nagel in the thousands. Right. Not a fine art print. Right. There was even a story where Richard met Patrick. Patrick Nagel is... Through Bornstein. Yeah. Yeah. And he was gonna... He, he, he propositioned him to create a large format fine art screen print. And, and they said, nope, 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 not your market. So Richard would have worked with Patrick right. had, they, By the way, had it not gotten Patrick Nagel is the late 80s, early 90s, kind of like chicks looking off to the side. You've seen yeah. something that looks like it, if not him exactly, right. in every barbershop beauty salon you've ever right. been to. The yeah. porcelain white face yeah. with the bright red lips and the hard black lines. Yeah. Jet black hair and props to Patrick Nagel for entering that consciousness uh, node. But that was also sort of an '80s and '90s malls, right? And additions, fine art additions, right. in the thousands, right? And they were going national, and they right. were going all over the place, right? And well, that's fine art as well, but it's just a different strata, of right? It. You know, right. that's the Thomas Kincaid fine right. art. Which, which brings us to an interesting point. Um, when, when something is produced as an addition, right, we're also familiar with it now, with supreme culture and secondary market and all that kind of thing. But to release a reproduction, right, uh, as an addition, like, 
That adds value, right? So, part of my training in the School of Hard Knocks has afforded me this conversation. Cheers. Salud. Banksy. I've gotten unsolicited feedback in an email from across the pond from the UK asking if we had any Banksy's left saying because Richard produced so Richard didn't produce them but he printed the suite of six images for Barely Legal in 2006 okay and they were numbered out of 500 although there were only 100 of each made yeah so Richard produced these six excuse me he Mm -hmm. didn't produce them he created them um it is my understanding that Shepard actually brought in the client. We've right. got this um, anonymous street artist from UK. Right. He's going to come in. It's hush-hush. You can't tell anybody. Right. The story I understand, it was right over the Thanksgiving break. Richard said, all right, everybody, say goodbye to your expectations of a holiday. Right. We're shuttering the doors, and we're printing this until it's done. They had like two weeks to create six editions of 500. In yeah. fact... The ask was seven editions of 500. Yeah. And they had to nix it and say, we're only going to produce 100 of each and we'll do the rest later. Right. They never ended up doing the rest later because without too much insider, maybe knowledge, drama, gossip, grapevine, (laughs) he was thrown under the bus after that production. Okay. He was blamed. And you can even YouTube. Printing Banksy is the YouTube handle that posted it so it's Banksy's camp okay. um, 2006 barely legal Banksy's in Los Angeles Prince went missing dot right. dot dot oh I see they blamed it on Richard right. it wasn't Richard right he got thrown under the bus I have the the correspondence from right. Richard to Mr. B yeah um, about hey it was a pleasure working with you it was a hell of a, a, a challenge and I believe right. we rose to the occasion right um, I have to address these rumors spreading about me and right. Prince going missing right. and the fact that they're so unfounded and what it's doing to my reputation as a printmaker. Of course, yeah. So the intermediary was up to some shit. And in the right. same... Le- yes. Uh-huh. And now he's the guy without naming names who's doing Banksy shows that you have to pay to get into. That's outside of Banksy's ethos entirely. Oh, no, he would never do that. Yeah. Right. So right. that's that guy. Okay, um, I see what's going on. Yeah. From the very so a, beginning. So that, and that's why he even has the balls or the, res- the resources to get something going like Yo, that. Yo, exit through the gift they, shop. They tried great. to do it in Belgium recently. Uh, and, and there was a whole fuss about it, but people still go. Exit through the gift shop was great. This yeah. new one that came out, Banksy and the Rise of Outlaw Art on Netflix, was also great. But I only got about 75% of the way through it because when they brushed over the history of printmaking in 2006 and the foundation of pictures pictures on walls in the UK, well, they entirely omitted Richard Duardo and Modern Multiples. So back to the reason I brought up Banksy and value of multiples and all of this is I've afforded myself the conversation from a you know, one of the Banksy buyer-seller art dealers who very highly um, understands anonymity between buyer and seller and international sales and six-figure, seven-figure sales, all of that. And this person told me, those Banksy prints from Barely Legal predicated the value of street art prints in the global market. 
because what print out there in the street oh. art world is more valuable than one of Banksy's very oh, yeah. first LA of course. things. It sold the full suite of six unsigned. Yeah. Sold at a Degard auction in um, in Paris yeah. for fifty three thousand euros. Oh no, and it doesn't stop there. Like like Banksy, wink wink. Uh, I'm not gonna say who it is. I mean, it's out there. Uh, uh, you know, it's because I was already you know doing my thing, but I felt the Banksy wave. You know, when, when, and it, and it must have been around 2000, it's 2006 seems early though. Um, it really does seem very early to, to be honest. You know, he came to LA, he had a show in Echo Park. I was designing for Puma at the time and they hosted this guy. No one knew who he was. I think it must have been then 2002 or three, just a few years before, before right. anyone knew who he was. Is this hole in the wall, like, yeah, I'm sure it was, that was 2006. It was 2006. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> the, the only reason I know is because someone, uh, this girl I dated, like her mother's boyfriend had that, and that was like six, five years later. Right. So maybe we're still bragging there about that. There are multiple No, it was the Elephant Show. It was the Elephant okay. Show, downtown. It doesn't matter. So... Um, yeah, so Puma 2002 or three, Echo Park, little hole in the wall. All the cool kids were there. <laughs> I was there. And Banksy was selling, you know, uh, Laugh Now, But One Day You'll Be In Charge. Right. Original stencils. The of, monkey. Yeah, 48 by 48 on just an art, uh, art store, you know, a premier canvas, which you can get for like whatever. Yeah. Uh, for 500 bucks. Yeah. And he was giving out booklets. Yeah. Where do you think I got this idea from? This booklet idea. My good friend, art appraiser Patrick Gila, he uh -huh. he has the story of being in L.A. in Beverly Hills when Andy Warhol came to the galleries in the Beverly Hills, and they would walk past the gallery with hundred dollar soup cans in the window. Oh yeah. And then he knew the gallery, of course, right. so they would go to the party afterwards, and has the story of Andy Warhol being at the party, yeah. offering to paint yeah. people's portraits for fifty dollars. Oh yeah. Nobody had $50 on them, so he didn't get a hit that whole night. <laughs> and Banksy, that night, he sold not a lot, but my friend bought a piece, and she bought it for 500 just because she's cool. Right. She just liked it. And he had a little booklet of his little interact. I still have that booklet. So that awesome. booklet, self-produced little booklet, like I would say like three by five or whatever, I still have it. Showed his stuff in the zoo. Right. Uh, none of the Disneyland stuff yet. Like... Uh, Dig here land, for treasure, right. like huge stencil on some beach, and she bought it for five hundred. By the time the the elephant show happened, mm -hmm. right, she got an offer to to sell it. I think it was like fifty, a little bit over fifty thousand dollars. Jesus! And by that time she had a kid, and she's like, "I'll take it." So she yeah, got, she got fifty thousand in well, cash. Well, that was an extra zero over my mental guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that original from that epoch, from that era. And so, um, yeah. I can't say anything bad about Banksy because... Oh, I love the entire zeitgeist. Because the, the, awesome. the reality of it is, in our world, in the street art world, guys that like to paint walls, like he caused a wave to where now I was considered in that regard. Whereas before, the only regard I was considered in is like, man, you're a fucking 
tag banger, like this some violent gang shit. And he changed that, I mean, single-handedly, and I worldwide, and I, specifically over here in my experience. Uh-huh. I, I, I struggle to say, and I rest my case, mm-hmm. but there is an anecdote from you, a tenured street artist from the early days of being in L.A., belly-to-belly sales, getting right. murals up when that wasn't the thing. Oh, no, yeah. And you even felt the wave oh, of, of this... Uh, substantiation of street art in a fine right. art world of a of you know uh, widespread appreciation for this instead right. of simply thinking of them as vandals his right. other favorite word right um, even uh, even Black Lerat came right. through the studio and yeah. it's it's really funny when I when I meet people again I'm not the art history major is Blake a little I, bitter I, about the rats not at all okay, I, heard, I heard him <laughs> speak in fact I, yeah. I was fortunate enough to find a friend's Instagram live a few years ago when he was speaking here in LA and somebody asked him point blank how do you feel about Banksy stealing your rat he says I'm so you know I, I did the rap for many, many years. I had a statement in the 60s, with the yeah. rap. Yeah. And the idea that another artist was able to elevate my image to yeah. a scale larger than I was able to, I'm only happy about it. Right. Now, I imagine that's a little PR down the line since this was a couple of years ago. But rising you know, water lifts up all ships. What's exactly. A rising tide lifts all boats and yeah. be the tide. Man. Yeah, exactly. Be the tide. Richard was yeah. a tide. Banksy was a per- tide. Yeah. Shepherd Ferry is a, is a tide. Yeah. Now let's bring it back home. Chaz Bohorkins. Oh, champion. A godfather yeah. of calligraphy art. Or graph writing, if you will, but calligraphy art in the fine art world yeah. for the street artist. Yeah. Now, I've only met Chaz a handful of times, but every time I do, he has unbounded love for Richard, yeah. saying, he offered me my first show, he gave me my first chance, and he printed me first. Your yeah. uncle let me exist wow. in this world From Mr. that was Chaz outside Buffett. of my normal... You know, 110 freeway right outside of Highland Park, roll calls, oh, uh, uh, Senor Suerte. Senor Suerte, yeah. Um, Great image, timeless. Yeah. It, it is, and that's the thing, is, is Richard was able to elevate the art of culture that he saw regardless of affluence. Right, yeah. He, he had a... a that. He, he saw with his heart rather than with, you know, any, any, any other nonsense. So I'm working to get to that place. Right. And like I said, I come from a theater background and I'm not the artist, although I'm finding some footing as one. My art, I've said for the last five, six years, is other people's art because I have a prowess over this studio and the technicality of screen printing. And Ivan Alpuche is my master printer who has tenure with Richard and his father was a massive self-help graphics printer he knows the whole game he learned from richard yeah ivan is the shit man oh man just to see him work like so effortlessly not not, no big drama just okay you have a problem okay i'll solve the problem and so he's my lead right he is my he is the performance of the studio however if you bring the analogy back to hollywood back to theater back to film right what's a director Right. Well, besides the biggest name on the bill, they're nothing. 
Right. They're not in it as a theater, as a, uh, you know, theater practitioner, as a director, and I like directing, can you give a line reading? No. Right. Can you tell somebody how to do something? No. Then right. what are you there for? Yeah, it's the captain of the ship. You know. You're there to get everyone's best performance exactly. out of and them. And that is, is a fatherly position, right? I which which, which you nudge and, 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 and you support and you get out and you're sometimes stern and sometimes you're, you're really deep, like forehead to forehead, but you get it out of your heads of department and your talent. It simply and that's what it takes. everyone right. to do better than they would do by themselves. Right. But that they are capable of right. anyway. And not only that, but it's all good in times of success. But how will you act when, when you go through rough patches? And that's why my small but mighty team is so close to my heart and operation. Right. That I can confidently move into the future as a printmaker... Mm-hmm. That is still to this day getting international cold calls. Right. And not only that, but I rise, I, we rise to the occasion and nail it. Yeah. And, and do it great. I hesitate to say better than the rest. There are phenomenal printmakers out there. Right. We do what we do really well. Yeah. And, that's and normally that's all I care about. Pompous and nose in the air, but like, this is now our second project in, in quick succession, and you know the first one, you know, it, it had difficulties, but I knew you, you, you know, I even knew that could be worked around. I'm still patting myself on the back. But of the that edition one. we just did, uh, Angelina collaboration with uh, uh, my good friend Lionel, like normally when you uh, silk screen you have the insurance of a black line right i'm Correct. very aware of that a personally. key layer right right and it hides the imperfections under the outline of things the the artwork particularly that i designed for this uh, edition that we just completed uh, does not allow for any insurance not in in the classical way so then the art of trapping and precise printing must be employed. Because if you don't have the art of trapping, you don't even attempt a, a, a seven color print like this one, which in the end, turned technically, it's a seven color print. But this is interesting for you guys to know, because we're dropping something soon after you hear this. It looks like a seven color print. Like, oh yeah, that's just printed. No, it's not just printed. So on most of the colors, because we're printing over an image that's a photograph without having deducted the the, the artwork that I designed from the photograph, right? So underneath it, there's still photograph. So in order to get proper registration and opacity, we had to, uh, you had to, so pull, pull, Every color, what is it, nine times? We did either double-double or double-triple. Explain that. So let me explain the one, the edition that we're dropping soon that, right. that Chase is talking about. Um, 
And it actually harkens back to my bashing of Giclés. Right. I don't hate Giclés. I don't hate archival digital prints. I dislike how they're represented in the market sometimes. There is a place for them. The Cheech Marin Chicano Collections, phenomenal use of a Gicle print. Photographers, necessary use of a Gicle of print course. unless they're looking to stylize their artwork. Right. Um, reproductions of a fine art artwork for a fine art purpose, perfect use of archival digital printmaking. Right. So, we got to work with Chase and his good friend Lionel Dalouis, who has never really stepped into the artistic limited edition, you know, fine art collector's market. He's always been a professional photographer working with agencies and models and all of that. So the idea that this image made famous in Vogue is finally resurfacing as a collectible fine art edition is really something special. Right. It's a first of its kind from him. Um, it's a first of a kind from us in a sense right. that we don't usually do this type of printing over a digital print and so we had some obstacles to overcome it's a black and white grayscale image and the black that comes out of these digital printers is velvety and delicate yeah and so we endeavored to uh, put a protective layer over it we actually overprinted on a field that's larger than we usually go for our large format prints and it covering the entire perfect. photograph it covered yeah. the entire photograph it even went beyond the teardown of the paper so right. when we finally tear this down you won't be able to tell it's there other right. than that it's there and one of the reasons is we were going to be handling these fine art digital prints seven runs over but each color of the seven colors had two or three runs and each run had two passes of ink so double wet passes. Yeah. So in the lightest of colors, which are by nature transparent, and if you really want true opacity in, for example, t-shirt printing, you would put a white layer underneath right. it. Right, what they could refer to as a, it's called a flash. Yep. Right. So we opted not to do that because that lended itself a whole nother world of obstacles right. of trapping the white. Because if you're a hairline off, exactly, you either you're going to see, of white. you're going to feel it, and 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 because the nature of the print is that it's dripping down over the photograph, it was uh, it was uh, natural in the recreation of it to really have a drip over the photograph, so. which led to. Since we wanted the colors to be pure, it yeah. just meant hitting it over and over and over again until the colors were pure and opaque. And now we're three weeks later. Oh man, <laughs> a little bit more than that. So yeah. I really like the build of this uh, publication um, that I'm going to be able to do as an inaugural publication from Big Brother Publishing, the new company that I founded to power modern multiples. And um, Chase was able to supply us with two colorways of highly intelligent color palettes that go over this really black and white photograph. And so how are we going to do justice to both the photograph and the screen printing of it? And basically we're gonna employ all best practices to get something that is artisanally more than a digital print. We could have right. printed the whole thing with your separations on top of the photograph and it could have come out of the digital printer and we could have slapped an overprint layer on it and sold it for the same amount of money. Right. Because that's what 
galleries and publication houses are doing these days. Right. So why not do that? That. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, get rowdy. I like it. Fuck that. Yeah. Let's make it something that you could walk up to every single day in your house and be like, I, I see something new or I see how it was yeah. made or wow, yeah. look at the layer. And that's really what it is because like uh, you shown a light earlier to show the relief versus the, uh, the underneath lane photograph. Right, that video you took today. Oh, it's caked is too strong of a word, but you feel right. the relief of the ink and that's why I'm starting to call it paint. Sure. Because it's when you hit the same it's color, <laughs> when you hit the same color, essentially three times two passes, six times yeah, times seven six. colors. That means you got forty-two passes, and I know we're geeking 42 out. Forty-two layers, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. geeking out a little bit here, but like uh, for my artists, our artists brethren or printmaker brethren that are well it is it's a printmaker nerd like whoa okay wide-eyed wow that 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 <laughs> tends to layer up and there this is not a puffy print but it's a relief print and you see the determination of of, of its excellence and this is not sales talk because fuck sales talk but that's actually we're talking well, about we're the on print nerd talk right now print nerd alert this actually goes over most most people's heads as like but it's intense so man. is it original or just a print yeah. <laughs> it's like the answer they're looking for is yeah. just a print and, and that's that's how we're getting into like close to a month uh, worth of time of production to bring you what we're about to present uh, soon after this podcast so it's just interesting to know I would want to know well yeah. I, I also find it interesting just in the strata if you will that this studio exists right. we i i we have published ed Rouchet, and i kid you not the very next day we were printing craft paper bags for panera bread yeah. holiday parties yeah they were going to make gift bags out of brown paper yeah. bags yeah. so as a operator of a studio that has this breath this breath yeah this ability to make something simple like a fucking paper bag or a 35 colors you know perfect registration 9 by 12 inch image that right. sells for 10 grand by right. Ed Rouchet it's hard for me to actually nail down where in the spectrum of printmaking I exist because sure we could make a million things and drop a run a day of digital prints by artists that I'm friends with or I reach out to and say, hey, I can make you money by printing a right. print today. Sure, we could do that, but I don't want to do that. That's not right. printmaking. That's marketing and right. it's it's like it's between us and Urban Outfitters. Right. Art. That right. and and it exists and it exists for a good reason and it's actually right. right in line with what Richard loved about the democratic pricing of fine art. Right. But it's gotten to a point that I think is misguided right and misinformed and so just because I think I've, I've told you this story before but I like to tell it again um, this to me it's almost emotional because as a young grommet we're talking the early 2000s yeah I was getting you know more and more active on the street I'm up to like 20 walls in Venice or whatever the fuck it was at the time and all of a sudden like yeah hey, you really you, you ought to meet Richard Wardle the, the master printer <laughs> and I'm like master printer who talks like that <laughs> right and so 
I, you know, I didn't even have, I didn't even own an automobile. And so I ended up at, at, at Modern Multiples. And I, I right walked, next door to where we right are Right next now. door, right? The, the old property. And I think Sabre just did something and I saw a mirror already. And I was always like a day late and a dollar short after mirror, especially at that time when he was like painting anything and everything. His works are amazing. Oh, he's through modern modern champion, it, champion. It, yeah. We have the same birthday, by the way. Oh, cool. And one of the funniest people, like, have a drink with Mir. Yeah. You fucking howl like you oh, never howl. Smoke the joint with me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe different. And so I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah, uh, silk screen, yeah, edition. And, but he saw, like, a, a, a younger version of me and, you know, idealistic and, like, the street and, like, you know, paint for free and, like, yeah, sometimes you earn some money. And I was just like, wow, what is going on here? And, 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 you know, Richard was nothing. It was the feeling of 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 a of, of a lion welcoming another cub that may not be his own. It was that, and you felt the fur, and you and you smelled like the the lion scent. It's like, okay, this is it. This this person is someone in L.A. And he was my first proper fine art slash art institution related person I've ever met you know like before I met a collector even or like anyone from any museum or a gallery this is him and so he let me hang out and at the time we did some digital stuff because I couldn't afford obviously to, to, to run a proper edition and but he had so much time and I saw like the way he was and I'm like wow I've I've I guess I'm entering like I'm 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 up, updated in the echelon. I met a proper art person coming from this graffiti background and then the, the the street art stuff. Now I'm like I'm getting closer to something, but I don't know what it is. I I, I don't even know if I'm ready for this stuff. And then as I'm you know a few years go by and I would see him out and you know there'd be some friends and you know there'd be parties and. And this is my f- one of my favorite richest sto- stories, which I've told you uh, when we first met. Yeah. And it's so great because he introduced me. He, like Richard always looked like he was someone. And he had respect for the way he dressed, for the way he looked. And, and it, 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 the chin was just slightly raised, not all the way up, not arrogant, but just like... I'm not looking away from anyone type of vibe. And I'm like, okay, and this is an artist? This is like unknown to me. And then at, at, at events or parties, like he would introduce people by their first and their last name. And I was introduced by my first and my last name to someone else who seemed so important because now they're introduced to me by their first and their last name. But I thought, wait, maybe I am someone too. Maybe I am someone too. And that to me at the time was like, what? Coming from Richard Duardo? And it's goosebumps now. Yeah. And 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 that is just the way he moves. And like I sucked at the time. I maybe had some whatever, like some sense of 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 of, uh, of discipline and some work ethic. But I'm sure I sucked, especially compared to him and 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 the, and and the and the zones he was hanging out in. But the the fact that he did that, like, updated me forever. 
you're not the first self-deprecating artist to tell me almost the exact same thing. I met Richard. I, I couldn't work with him. I was nobody to him. Yeah. I, I, no, but we would, weren't. He we would never work with me, but that's yeah. exactly, that's why I say self-deprecating is because yeah. he he really did have and that, crosshairs and, on, and, on the artist. And that, by the way, like that has nothing to do with finance. That has nothing to do. Well, that has to do with human dignity right. and, and respect for for the other man or the other kid who's looks like he's trying to be an artist. Right. It turns out he was a phenomenal marketer and a shit businessman. <laughs> well, but that doesn't surprise me because you know that would make sense because like he was he was true. He like he right. looked with his heart. Not with his pocketbook or like whatever the, the phrase right. is. Like like if he dug you and, and he saw that you were like, you had a good work ethic. Oh, you're, you're part of that Richard's camp. And he, exactly. and he will big you up. He right. will introduce you. He will try to open up doors for you. I'm and really, he didn't need to do that. Yep. I'm really holding back on the list of names that I feel. No, no, no. Because it's not, it's not, it's, it's not boasting. It, well, the idea is that some of them haven't really come around, you know, credit where credit is due. And there's right. a lot of people like Ernesto Llerena, mm -hmm. who met Richard and really had this phenomenal experience similar to what you're talking about. I'm somebody, Huge. I can do it. Massive. And he's still a friend and he comes through and he'll bring a project through and he's a great artist and, and a court, like, like a, a great human being in general and has love for my family and the operation that's right. still here. And there's a lot of people who had that similar experience who I don't believe have come around. Right. And Richard was, in my understanding, necessary to that rise, you right. know, in not only actual business, but in the personal soul right. being elevated oh, yeah. to believe in yeah. oneself. Yeah. And I think Richard gave that to a lot of people. Because he knew personally how hard that path is. And if you got it in you, you got that fire in your eyes. And that's what I do now with kids. Now I meet kids. And, like, I don't know how far you've come. or how far, But I, I, I know that if, if I can, like, put a little kerosene on your little fire, man, the sky's the fucking limit. And I, I, I'm not judging where you're gonna go, I just know that I see the fire, some fire in your eyes now. So whatever you need, man, ask me anything. I'll be helpful. I'll what, hell anything. yeah, because that's how you pass it forward. Well, from the and moment we met, we got on. Yeah, fortunately, right. I mean, you, you, Robbie Towing, right, Rabbi, Rabbi, yeah, that's over. right. Big up to Rabbi, and you had Bro. six, you had six wooden panels. Right, they were three inches tall off the table. Very and annoying. Not what you thing. usually screen print on. He had five colors down. It was a six-color artwork. The five colors were stencil and spray paint. Right. Looked like they could have been screen printed. Consistency was thank on you, point. Thank you, thank um, you. <laughs> and and you wanted to... You were remixing a Warhol image. Right. And so you wanted to print it at the West Coast Warhol studio. Exactly. And you never even got to work with right. Richard. Yeah. And so, I mean... Well, we, we got to work, but but not in, 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 like in the silkscreen capacity. Right. We, we did some right. things. But. Right. You never did an addition with him. No. And because um, I was too young, and also the other way would have been like to pay up for it outright, right. and then that was too expensive right. for me at the time. Uh, I, I get that a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you're also not the only artist who's come back now with my 
minimal tenure in this position with this studio who have said to me, I can't believe I'm working here. This is yeah. phenomenal. Oh. I, I, I've always wanted an experience with Richard and this is as close as I can get. And yeah. not only that, it feels rather true yeah. a little bit. Now, there's a lot left to be desired in the operation as it is right now. We're coming out of the pandemic. I keep saying we come, we're coming out of hibernation. But um, I think things are changing really drastically in the, in the rest of this year moving forward. Um, it's my operation now. I think we've solved the problems that, that have been the hardship for the last half decade. And, um, and I want to move into publishing right. a lot like Richard did, which is why this passion project that we've just produced with you and Lionel has been so fulfilling. Yeah. Is because yeah, it, you just it do it good, until man. it's right. It's yeah. good art with good people. Yeah. And that's that's been my line. Good art with good people. And yeah. as soon as you were good people, I realized that we could make some really great art. Yeah. And and then you brought your trusted friends into you rehashed an old conversation with Lionel right. about doing some collaboration that was that had no I had no part in that. It was right. never gonna be an addition with somebody like modern at all. Like, as the, a matter of fact, I just wanted Lionel to, like, come and print here. The fact that yeah. you even brought it up with right. me and offered that as the the edition that we're going to produce, right. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. stoked. Yeah. Lionel's great. Yeah. The image is historic. It's nuts. I've had artists walk through the studio while we're in production being like, Vogue! Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Not that It's something. It's 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 really so, it's really something. So for me personally, it's like it's a super full circle. You and know? I'm really honored to be here to provide that loop of the circle mm. to stay as a resource, but also a voice in what this fine art printmaking world right. is because I think it's getting a little bit diluted. Yeah. Like I now see, because we, we've had like, I don't know, a, a dozen conversations about it. And now that, you know, uh, since uh, the Skull Warhol uh, painting uh, edition that we did and now really working on this one, like it's just so obvious you know, that when something is labored over and, and you know, I, I have this thing, it's from Tibetan uh, Buddhism that I've put on walls all over the world and, and it goes, where attention goes, energy flows. Mm -hmm. You've and, said it a, a bunch a and bunch. I appreciate it. But that is it though, you know, yeah, you can run it through some automated thing or like, you know, whatever it is. And that's great, but why a, a wall or a painting, you know, you can go, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a time capsule, it's a portal, you know, because time was spent with every brushstroke, with every laydown of, of, of a color, you know, that's, that's human attention. And hopefully yes. the artist had love in his heart when yeah. he was doing it. Because, I mean, there's a lot of artists, they have hate in their heart, fuck off. No, but when there's love for, for the composition, for the color, for the subject matter, for the location, for the fact that they get to paint, you know, what a privilege to get to create. And so, like, 
like paintings to me, murals to me are just that. They are they are they are distribu they are holders of love, and that seems so woohoo and West Coast and like where's my crystal, you know? Let me let me energize uh, the room with my quartz. But you cannot deny that whatever was made with so much attention and time and love, like a table or a or, or a vase or a painting from a loved one or from a great person or from an internationally known person doesn't matter but when they were intimately involved with the creation of that object i think to quote the bible they breathe the breath of life into that and that will stand the test of time right and so that to me is what's happening here and that to me is the difference between a goddamn digital print and this and i'm i'm upped you remind me again of how it could be and this is this is energy man like I'll re reiterate a, a rather trivial one that I was telling you earlier, but uh, the Amazon project came through, right. right? And talk about not fine art, but right. the human, you know, behind in, it, infusing right. the human aspect, infusing right. love into a thing. Uh, this guy literally told me I should be off offset lithographic printing this. Right. But I want to do it through you now that I've found you. Because that rep for Amazon, who who's mm -hmm. from Bristol, mm -hmm. he, he can remain unnamed. He knew the power. He printed for Banksy before Banksy was Banksy. There we go. I mean, and, and so imagine that. Like, so he knows the conversation. Right. He knows the quality of, or at least the feeling, the vibe of right. the quality that it is. It's felt. Like, even for those that never stand and, and look at art or whatever... Guess what? It's in your space. Right. It's a gift for the internal team, and you're gonna sense it. You're gonna feel it. So I think that's coming back. I, I keep saying that um, screen prints, serographs are going the way of the vinyl record, mm -hmm. which means they'll never die. Right. It's a Jurassic technology. Right. However, it is a handfelt thing. Do you know that tapes are coming back right now? Cassette tapes are coming back right now. I only saved five mixtapes. There are. I had hundreds. There are cassettes like, coming back right now. I feel ashamed. The the record labels have found their stocks of of, of mixtapes and, uh -huh. and different cassettes, and uh -huh. they're starting to market them as uh -huh. like a Jurassic technology. Right. Same thing with vinyls. Even though everything's produced digital, still got my vinyl though. They're still cutting vinyls, and yeah. you know that those platinum and gold records wow. are still framed. Yeah. It's a different experience. So it's a different experience, and it's never going to leave right. because it's that powerful. Right. And so even just for you know a company like Amazon, but it's not even about the company. It's about the person who is calling the shots. Right. They have appreciation for this and are willing to well pay for it. But um, to to wait for it, even right. you know, they're willing to go through the arduous process right. of creating something artisanal versus doing the same exact thing that would probably be a quarter of the cost right. on the same paper right. with the same ink, right? And it's just not the same thing, right? It's just not. And so, I don't even know why I believe in that so strongly, mm -hmm. but I'm here. And I'm the one who has hands on all of these different things in the paper. You know, Gary Wallen comes to mind. He's the guy who owns um, McManus and Morgan, which is the paper source next to Aardvark Letterpress. Okay. And it's the best kept secret in Hollywood. 
sorry podcast I just ruined it um, but you know if you saw the 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 big map book in Pirates of the Caribbean or any you know Constitution of the United States in any movie ever he was the guy who sourced the paper right and Aardvark Letterpress probably printed it but Gary Wallen has a I think KCET interview out there and he's this he's this super chill older dude who has been working with paper his whole life and there's this one clip where he's just looking at a stack of paper and he says it's it's just it's paper (laughs) I love it yeah I love it yeah and that simple human love for his particular nuanced niche of a field is the reason that Hollywood goes to him is the reason that artists go to right. him. Shep prints through them. Gaijin prints through them. You know, it's this source, but it's sort of unknown. Gaijin Fujita, champion. Oh, yeah. Work yeah. with work with Richard. Oh. May. Kill to succeed. I, I'd love yeah. to work with him again right. in the future. He was collected when I got here in 1995. One of the first things I heard with my grab buddies was, man, you know, this Gaijin, like... White boy. No, Asian guy. No, I know, but doesn't Gajin mean like American white boy? Or something, yeah. 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 Like collected by LA uh, like County Museum of Art, LACMA, like yeah. this mastodont of a presence in LA, aside from the Hammer <laughs> and the Getty and Mocha, maybe not at the time. But like he's collected by, you know, so I got, that guy. In, my, in my five years here, I've gotten an email from LACMA saying, hey, we have something of yours. Uh, what? <laughs> Lakma has something of mine, and they said, "Yeah, we have. It has the poodle chop on the bottom, and it says not for sale. So we don't know what to do with it. We'd like to give it back to you." And I went over, and it was high voltage two, a uh, screen print of a dragon that Gaijin did here with Richard. Yeah. And Richard was he created a couple of different boards uh, at Lakma. He worked with Lakma. He was a right. chairman in, in a couple different capacities. Right. Um, and got a lot of people involved in that. He was shooting for young Latino, Latina and female, yeah. um, in the vibe of the Lakma curation. Right. And he succeeded. He got right. Pilar Tompkins Rivas who went on with, uh, she was, um, uh, Vincent Price art museum and has put me in touch with the Whitney and all of this fun stuff. That's all Richard's legacy yeah. coming back yeah. around full circle yeah, 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 because yeah. he believed in seeing it, the right. person, the art, not right. the and also not hiding in your space, but like he, he loved going out. Oh yeah, you know, and he loved events, and he loved like and the time always had a posse. Oh, the time in which I met was so fortunate to meet uh, Richard. Like there was Jim Fittipaldi downtown here who had, like, muses and, like, you know, was a great collector. and R.I.P. R.I.P., by the way? Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, it was old back then. Mm-hmm. And so there was, it's like, you know, the scene, like, now, it's just a look you can get. You know, what do you want to look like? Go to the store. But back then, it was like, to be an artist, like, even Venice, like, Venice is day and night. You know? Go and, into that uh, Chicano Studies Resource Center, UCLA yeah. interview. Yeah. And Richard's telling of the art scene, oh. like what the arts district oh, yeah. no. of downtown LA, of yeah. Little Tokyo no. was. It was a homeless-filled, trash-filled, piss-filled street, yeah. like yeah. dangerous. Your car will get broken into. Oh, yeah. 
kind of like unsafe space. Try and pump gas. And artists on, on, love on it. Alameda. <laughs> You're gonna get got. Like period, end of the conversation. And then like even, you know, something that stands out as a hyperbole is Gronk right. getting his his entire floor in that building. Right. As a we are ready to brand this district as the arts right. district. Yeah. Here's an entire floor yeah. for you. And Gronk is part of ASCO and all of that. Right. Um you know, Al's Bar. I was just speaking with Stephen Seemeyer, who directed the Tales from the American Hotel. Mm-hmm. And Al's Bar was kind of like the CBGBs of L.A. Right, yeah. You know, Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, oh, Cypress yeah. Hill, yeah. Rage Against the Machine. All, everyone came through right. there. Yeah. I think Rage. They might be newer. But um, it was just like this super cool, organic And if you're coming scene. out of all that... And, and, and you've like figured out your place there as he already did by the time I caught up with him. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not looking up to some older man. That's not what this is. Like I, I already knew what was what, but it was just like, okay, this is a man. And I hate to use the word, but he has elegance. He has vulnerability. He has a lot of work ethic and he's a fucking artist. And that I've never met for real in a person. And, and that, that was Richard. But he demanded that. Like, it's not easy. You can be that privately and, and, and you watch Netflix all day in today's standards. Yeah. But that's not Richard. Number one, there's no fucking, fuck cable TV, fuck cell phones, fuck internet. That wasn't really the thing. It's right. you go out right. and you connect right. and you meet face to face in these salon-esque right. kind of environments, whether it be lofts or bars or, or, or seedy places that you don't think are seedy oh, but yeah. the rest of the world is like I would never go there oh, there's yeah. a crackhead dying on the on, on the sidewalk I've heard this that used to be art mm-hmm. in LA so out of that which I'm like painting walls in between I meet someone that's like wow and that was Richard and somehow totally different world as I understand Richard existing in this early arts district mm-hmm. of piss filled streets and the butterfly airplane on the side of the American hotel <laughs> yeah. and punk rock as fuck a bathroom that you couldn't barely stand in without seeing a sticker or a tag or a, you right. know anything um, in that in that same in that same time period um, he was you know he was well known if you will or he was he could be found on the west side of LA at a party with Andy Warhol, Madonna, David Bowie. You know, I've I've heard the story. I wasn't there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard, I've oh, heard no. that he would just. I've seen him move. I in. saw him move as a young kid. Oh my god! Of course he was. He's he's one of the notable people to meet when you're in LA. That's the way it was. And that was obvious to me. That's that's so that's so cool. It's <laughs> so cool. It's so cool. And, and that's, that's like, you know, it, it reminds me uh, of Pulp Fiction. We're going to be like the Fonzie, right? And what's the Fonzie like? Right. Cool. Yeah. That's just Richard Duardo. That's it. No show Duardo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I would always say Richard left cl- behind clown shoes mm. to fill. And don't nobody have clown feet. So, my imposter syndrome is oh, rather you, strong. You, you don't have to worry about that. Well, I take yeah, a right. little, uh, you know, bit of power from having put in the time 
Yeah. And you, having no, you, executed. No, you got your 10,000 10, hours. I wouldn't right. know that I did this well if the people that I worked for and with didn't like it. Right. But and they like it. And more, more than they like it, they're inspired by oh, it. Yeah. And if I can continue to be a, uh, a person in the zeitgeist, a resource for artists, or even more so a voice and a, a leading leading voice of publishing and creating this art, well, pff, Robert's your father's brother. I'm, I'm happy. No, you're good. Trust um, me. Like, I've had... This last edition was so intense. I saw all the love and attention seep out. Um, I see the qualities that I, I liked in, 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 in Eduardo, in you, and then some, you know? And so don't worry about that. Um, just keep on keeping on, my man. That's the plan. That's it. That's the plan. That wraps it up. Where can people find you online? So we're going to be launching a new website very soon. Big Brother Publishing is the new company that I've founded to move back into publishing artists where I can actually be the decision maker or if you will the director the real director to say you're a diligent artist who has a good work ethic who has great art but really again it's good art with good people and that's my that's my leading you know guiding force is we hit it off you're good people you're a diligent, hardworking artist with a long career, but I wouldn't care about that if we didn't get on. Right. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't give two fucks about that if we didn't get get on. And so, what I want to do in this scene is connect with people. Right. And be a resource and be somebody who introduces people by first and last name, so that they grow their own sense of self worth, even. If I don't know where it's coming from or why I'm doing it, right. um, that's maybe the theater kid in me right. that wants everyone to feel good and wants credit where credit right. is due right. and wants diligence to be appreciated. And on top of it all, there's a message to some of it too. Yeah. <laughs> but the artist <laughs> statement always comes right. last. <laughs> why do we all do it? Because we're here, we have a passion for it, we enjoy it. Right. My art is other people's art. I might change that up. Right. Anyways, Modern Multiples is the name. Modern Multiples is the brand. Curating artists, excuse me, Richard's line was grooming artist careers right. for over three decades. Yeah. And the show poodle, well, I'm not in a position to be necessarily the groomer. However, I do have my head wrapped around what I think a quality print should be. Oh, you got that down pat. And I want to continue working with and producing artists that deserve the credit. Boom. And um, and it's been a real honor to work with you and Leonel right off the bat. Man, this, like I said, to me, this is full circle. Uh, Funnily enough, Circle, Rabbi, one half of the previous known uh, 
right? I, I don't want to say collective, but the, the duo named Circle, Rabbi... Circle, C-Y-R-C-L-E, Circle. Right. So right. Rabbi put me in touch with you. We did the first thing, and now we're doing this thing. This whole thing is full circle for me. <laughs> like, over the time span of two decades. And it's been nothing but a pleasure. And I'm as happy as can be. And, and the work is just tremendous. And uh, big up to you, my man. Thanks, man. There's one more plug I have to make, which is hats make off it. to you, which is the rebranding, but it's not a rebranding, but the um, the new era of the chop, the publishing chop, the right. embossment, the poodle embossment. When Richard passed away, the poodle in a square, which was on the early Shepherd Fairy works, it was on the early, Ban- it was on the Banksy series, it was on Chaz's early stuff. The poodle in the square was stolen when he passed away, mm. as were the entirety of the contents of his apartment. And um, a lot of question marks there. A lot of question marks there. However, the simple story is the poodle in the square, the chop itself went missing mm. about a month. Wow, how after valuable he is passed that? Away. Well, an embossment for a studio is like a blind stamp for a photographer right. is saying that. This is my work. Right. It might not be my artwork, but we created this, and we are a team of artists who created this, to hearken back to Richard's first chop, right. Echo en Atzlan. If I can do nothing other than put my mark that it was made in Atzlan, I'm going to put an embossment on it. Mm. And so fast forward through Echo en Atzlan, Atzlan multiples, future perfect fine art, art and commerce, modern multiples, ink, Allied artists, they all had their own operation and shop. Right. And the final one under Allied artists was the modern multiples insignia of a poodle in a square. Right. That disappeared. And so before I even got here, my mom, Lisa, um, the executor of Richard Duardo's estate and my fucking champion, um, is she changed it to a poodle in a circle. Right. Because a circle represents infinity. Right. Right? It's a very good after-death, AD, post-mortem type of meaning. Right. I felt the need to move into a new era now that my family is changing the way we operate this studio. My mother's hardship should be behind, behind her now. And I'm moving back into an energy of publishing artists. And so I was talking to you about this and I was saying, what do we do? What shape? Is it going to be a hexagon? Is it going to be a star? Is it going to be nothing? Is it going to be a circle with... And it didn't take you more than a few minutes to say, it's a crosshair. Yeah. It's a registration crosshair. Right. And so for the first time ever, I'm going to be embossing an edition with the poodle in the crosshair on this Angelina edition. And that's going to be the inaugural press You'll see it on the website, Big Brother Publishing. It's going to be behind all of the publishing that I do from here on out. And it's the poodle and the crosshair. Right. And not only is the crosshair a registration crosshair in screen printing, but it also sort of tells the story of how Richard had an eye for the artist. Right. When he saw somebody who was diligent, who was good people, who was on the right path, he would... Headhunt them. Yeah, zoom in. He would zoom in on them immediately and without any other bullshit surrounding it would simply say, we need to work together. And in fact, that's the other addition 
that I'm going to be publishing right off the bat with Joseph Batari, the dope artist. Right. And the dope artist has a story of meeting Richard in 2002 and Richard saying, that's dope. Yeah. That's a good Robert Indiana knockoff. I did right. fuck fake and punk. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. we should do dope. Right. And they never got to do it. Yeah. So I've come around full circle to another artist another time. who wow. wanted to, who Richard wanted to produce wow. and never got the chance. Nice. We're going to be producing dope. And it's all because of that crosshair on the artist, the idea of having the art first. Right. And the diligent, and mostly the person, the poodle. Right. The person first. Right. There's a triple entendre in there as right. well, but we won't say Richard had a crosshair on his back. <laughs> Hola. Wow, yeah. As the train goes by and blasts off a little toot or two. Awesome. This is probably going to get picked up by that. I sure hope so. And, and it, that it part... stops conversations sometimes. You know, that part is TBC for sure. Yeah. My man. Good to see you, man. Big Dude, up to you. A lot of fun. So much more to come. Yes, sir. Bro, we're out of here. On bigger and better. Boom, that was it. I hope you dug uh, Montana and uh, the story behind Modern Multiples. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Happy No Fear, and we should be back very soon. Bye bye.